0: You never stop. Never Never stop. 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 We are. Uh... Talking about who he is (laughs) for a few weeks now. Songwriter says he's a a way maker. Another place that says he's a miracle worker. And they say, anybody in here know him to be a promise keeper? Yet others have found him to be a light in the darkness. Abraham found him to be a provider. We know him to be the creator. We could go on and on about all the things that he is in our life. You ought to know him in some capacity for yourself. Not I heard, but I know. Today, we're gonna get to know him in a better way. You'll turn to Exodus. Siren is right on time. Today. Exodus chapter fifteen. We could easily start in verse one, but we won't. Go down to verse twenty-six. It's our pinnacle verse for this message. Exodus chapter fifteen, verse twenty-six. You don't have your Bible with you. probably going to be displayed. I think I'm reading from the NIV version. I didn't put the caption myself in my notes. The writer penned these words. He said, If you will listen carefully, to the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his eyes. If you will pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals Today, we're going to study God, the healer, Jehovah Rotha. Now, you'll find that this name is spelled differently in different texts. with some other texts. Jehovah Rotha, my healer. I've been with some of you in this congregation when you've had to face some pretty tough Difficult by life's standards. Very emotional. Draining. Grief in your face. Tried to be there with you when When you say goodbye to mom and dad on this side of glory, Been there with you when you're dealing with doctor's report that wasn't good with you. Been there with you when a family member has to take a fall too young. Maybe when life is just beating you down, no one has died. You just keep coming up with just a half a cup of life. Even though you're working hard, and doing everything you can. It just seems to be a constant struggle or maybe the plans you made for your life just didn't go well. Something changed. The amount of agony and pain in this congregation will literally take your breath away. We're not unique. One of my favorite men in the world used to say, just keep living. Life happens. You can't design life. My mama used to get so mad at me because I would come in so optimistic, and I would show her my plan for what I was going to do. She wasn't mad because I was planning hope. I think she was just afraid that the re- reality of life would show up in my plan. She would say to me, baby, you can't plan your life on paper. Mama was right. Mama was right. There used to be an event in Birmingham that we absolutely loved. Now, I hate the politics of its management got in the way of it going forward, but anybody here remember City Stages? Oh, yeah. I think it was one of the premier events we had in Birmingham when it was happening. It was just magnificent. It was a weekend of fun, both secular and spiritual. Used to hold up at that church downtown, the Methodist church downtown, the big brown one with the headquarters for the gospel, the gospel concerts, and it would just be gospel concerts all day long. And then if you were so inclined, which I was. (laughs) <laughs> you could dip out the door and go see somebody else which I did <laughs> and one week one one year I may have told the story before Karen and I was so excited because the band of my adolescence was performing oh yeah we were so excited and of course they were performing last <laughs> on, the, on the stage Parliament Going to see George Clinton and the Funk of Somebody else know what I'm talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Boots was going to be there too, Mason. (laughs) Anybody else in here never learn to swim. (laughs) Y'all don't see Anyway, we were there, we were excited. Yeah. Y'all, y'all just know Atomic Dog, but it was so much deeper than that. Yeah. So we are there, we're getting there, we're trying to perch in front of, get to the stage so we can get a good, good position. As we're rushing to this space, we see something that didn't fit in the scene. We see a little girl sitting on the curb by herself, crying and her hand is wrapped up. And so, being the parents that we were, we went over to see if she was doing okay. She wasn't. It seems that she had come from Huntsville with a group of other kids and they were all having a good time and she had to go to the restroom. Well, out there the only thing you had was portalets. She went to the portalette, and as she was going in the portalette, something happened on the locking mechanism on the door, and it caught her hand and really cut it pretty badly. And so, I don't know that she said anything to her crew, but just to say they had left her, she was there on the curb by herself, absolutely out of it. It's the parents' worst nightmare. So when we came upon her, she was out of it. Now, this was a little white girl. So for us to be coming up on her, she was a little hesitant. But she needed somebody. And guess who somebody was? Us. And either help her or go see George Clinton. I can hear Parliament queuing up in the back. Needless to say, we took her to the first aid tent. When they get to the first aid tent, the first thing they say is she got to have stitches. She needs to go to the hospital. Y'all gonna take her to the hospital? Are we gonna take her to the hospital? We really you don't. Know, we go. We don't. We don't even really know her. So we're at University Hospital <laughs> in the emergency room with her, cause somebody got to go with this girl to the hospital. We can't can't abandon her like she's been abandoned by a friend. This was before cell phones. She couldn't just holler at them and call and say, hey, I'm over here. So we go, we finally get to the hospital. That's when the communication started. Her parents got to come from Huntsville to get her. Can you imagine how out of their mind they were? She's in the hospital. They finally get there about two hours later. Needless to say, I'm sure George Clinton was still playing his first song (laughs) because they used to play them for an hour up there. but, But we missed that because there was something that was more important. There was a need this girl had, and I thought about it. She didn't just need physical healing. She did. But not just that. She also needed emotional healing in that space. We didn't get to a place where we talked about anything, anything spiritually with her, but net, we naturally were praying for her in this instance because we didn't know who knows what's on the door of a bad portalette, you know, to get into the cut that she had. Make a long story short, we met her parents and did the pass off. We have never heard, we never really knew her. But we moved on and I never got to see Parliament. But she turned out all right. But I did, I'm going to move on. I did two or three years ago. George Clinton did come for Homecoming. I'm for a classic and was performing out at Legion Field. And I got to meet him. I went backstage and met him, took a picture with him. Yeah. (laughs) He, so that kind of helped out. Jehovah wrote, where do you go for healing? Who do you call? Who helps you to heal? How many different ways do you need to be healed? This has been 2022. Has been a year where my focal point has been on healing. Just been front and center. We've been talking about it a lot today. Healing takes a long time. I remember sitting there waiting on the paramedics to come pick me up. And I said, Lord, help me. Help me. I didn't even know what to put in the blank after that. Because when you get in a situation like that, for well, one thing, it's fast. And you need someone who's not stuck by time. That's the Lord. He, he controls time. And so putting it in his hand, letting him know you depend on him is important. But it's interesting how life can come about us and we can be doing okay. It is not until we get to a tough place in life that we even start talking to the Lord. We go along trying to handle everything by ourselves, just like the children of Israel. you will, let I me. Mean, children of Israel have just gone through what can arguably said is the most phenomenal series of events the world has ever seen. The Lord has just proven to the most powerful man on earth that He is God, and that when He says, He wants something to happen, you better get out of the way and let it happen, or else bad things will happen to you. And he gave Pharaoh a series of chances to get it together, and Pharaoh was gonna prove that his he could box with the Lord. And the Lord showed him in no uncertain terms, "Your arms are too short to box with me." And for those of you who don't know, go back. I guarantee you, you want some uh, some interesting. Reading, go and study the plagues and how they affected is the Egyptians. And that's what I love about it. I love about the story that God only allowed the plagues to affect Egyptians. All right. Let me let me see if I can put that in this context. You know, in in slavery time here in America, God would have only allowed the plagues to visit white people. That means flies, they didn't know. Balls! Black people didn't get it. It's amazing how targeted and specific <laughs> the plagues were. A lot of people missed that. Missed that. Even if some of the slaves had something that they could call their own, it wasn't affected by what God visited on the Egyptians. Because what He really did, in addition to bringing those plagues—the frogs, the flies, the lice—the—the—the—the—the. The, 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 the sickening disease on the cattle, all these plagues were really designed one at a time to tear down the system of idolatry in Egypt. He's showing them one by one, your little G gods can't compare to me. I'm in charge. That's the whole reason he's doing this. And in the end, he showed them, I have the power of life and death with the Passover angel. So these people have just come out of this, they have just left unmarked from Egypt because Pharaoh said, Get them all out of here. I don't want to see no more. My economy is in ruins now. Get them out of here and they leave out. People don't know how much. It was about three million people leave. All the workforce is leaving Egypt, headed out of town, and they have wandered and been, they're in the desert, they're struggling. Can you imagine moving 3 million or so people in the desert? What's the number one thing you got to find? Number one thing you got to find is water. Water is your primary purpose when you get out there. Moses is bringing these folks out. When they leave town, when they leave town, they're excited. They're celebrating when they leave town. When they leave town, they are absolutely thrilled to be a part of this exodus from Egypt. When they leave town. But then, after a few days of walking, moving, being with all these folks, traveling with your cousins, your brothers, and your sisters, you know that kind of that enthusiasm leaves a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so like a long road trip with everybody, you know, that can create some anxiety among people. And so, according to uh, verses one through three. I mean, well, we'll go 1 through 25. The whole 15th chapter of Exodus is a song that expresses their praises to the Lord. Can you imagine? All of that chapter is celebrating how good God has been because he heard their pleas and their cries, and he got them out of the bondage that they were in. Celebrating. Everybody's thrilled. Long enough for that many verses in the scriptures recorded. That's how how thrilling it was for them. Uh, They said, uh, I I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and the rider, he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. He's my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. We're talking Yahweh and Elohim. They're elevating him to the God, the creator, and the the, the one who's almighty. And they go on for 21 verses, singing about how wonderful he is. And then they get to verse 22. And all of a sudden, things change. Because they have now entered into the desert of Shur. Ironically, sure, S-H-U-R, S-H-U-R means wall. So they hit a wall. They hit a wall. And the reality of their circumstances starts to sink in. They hit a wall of despair. They hit a wall of thirst. And they had only been traveling for three days three days. So how, how how long after you have a real high situation in your life when you're celebrating is it before you hit a wall and what you were once giving God credit for you now turn around and have issues. Let me show you the issues that they had. Um, when they hit this wall the reason they hit the wall is because they had an expectation that everything is going to be wonderful from here on out. We're moving out of uh, bondage, and now God is leading us to a wonderful place. And when they get to Shur, the water surrounding Shur was bitter. So they got water, but it's not the water that they wanted. Yeah. Marah is the name. Mara means bitterness. So they, they get to the waters of Mara. I, I tried to, as I was preparing for this, I, I tried to liken this water. What, what, what does it taste like when they get there? And the only thing I could come up with is when you when you real thirsty and all you got is a hot water bottle. You know, a plastic bottle of water, and it's hot. Yeah. And you grab it and you drink it. The same water bottle, but that water tastes different than the same water would taste if it had been really cold. Yeah, because you can taste the plastic in it when you drink it and it's hot like that. For some reason, you just get that little aftertaste from it. But the same bottle of water when it's cold, you don't really taste those qualities. Now, I was telling my wife about it as I was thinking about it. And I remember when I was growing up, we didn't have no bottle of water. You couldn't go in the house. and get. No, you would go inside of somebody's house. And turn that faucet on and pick up the holes and drink from the holes. And you 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 when it's real hot outside, you could taste the holes. <laughs> you could taste that 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 look, yeah, which was different than having a cup of ice water. And so here they are right now. They got water, but it's bitter. Blessing, not a blessing. It's you know. And so they start grumbling. God's people go from giving praise to grumbling protesters in an instant. If I step on your toes on this, just say, ouch, get ready to get better now. because, Because sometimes we go straight from a celebration into a bitter situation. And that bitter situation frustrates us. The people get angry with God, but guess who they take it out on? Moses. Yeah, one smart person said that, that anger is a magnet in search of metal. And usually the metal that it finds is another person. That's anger. Yeah. We, we tend to take things out on people when we don't get what we want. When we don't get what we think we deserve under a certain circumstance. And here we are now. The Israelites are now out in the desert. They've got great disappointment. They've got great, well, they had high expectations, but now they got great disappointment and they got really heavy discouragement. Gratitude, write this down, gratitude turns to griping when the memory of God's faithfulness is forgotten. So when you forget how good God has been, that's when you start getting mad at God about everything. So gratitude can quickly turn into that other emotion. So how do you handle that if you're the leader? What does Moses do under those circumstances, Cass, He's got three million people there, most of them complaining. The One's up around him, you know, they ask him a question that is amazing in the context of what they've been through. They ask him after they come out of the desert, they get to the waters of Mara, when they get to verse 24, I told you verse 21 through 21 was celebration. They watched God rescue them from Pharaoh. They watched God get them out of bondage where they were being killed and treated like chattel. They watched this and then they get to verse 24 and they have the audacity to say to Moses, this question, what shall we drink? What shall we drink? Gone is the expectation that God is going to take care of them. Gone is the understanding that God has already taken care of them and brought them that far along. They've forgotten all that stuff, all because they have a physical need that they feel isn't being met timely enough by God. And so they question everything that God has done. And we turn on him just the same way. We get to a place and we think something hasn't happened the way we wanted to, and we start getting mad, not just at God. We get mad at him. And we say in our own situation, what shall I drink? And Moses does what any leader should do under those circumstances. You find yourself with people under those circumstances. Moses prayed. Yeah, he turned around and he prayed. Instead of protesting, instead of sitting there engaging with them, because you're not going to win the argument. They're angry. You're not going to talk them down. He went to the source of supply. And that's God. He started praying. And God says to them, verse 26, which is our pinnacle. He said, here's your formula. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of me, to my voice, and do what's right in my eyes, if you pay attention to my commands, and if you keep my decrees, I will, look, this, this should have been enough to put the hook in it. I will not bring on you any of the diseases that I brought on the Egyptians. For I am, watch this, I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. God then, if you put this together, is linking their holiness with their health. Your righteousness helps me to heal you. You provide a foundation for healing when you follow my commands and obey me. And that's why he's jehovah Ro Now, let me see. Why, then, are we struggling in some places? Let me give you some reasons why we're we're struggling. Because sometimes we don't understand the context that healing is needed. Healing is never just one-dimensional, all right? We might need physical healing, depending on the circumstances that we find ourselves in. But healing is very important in Scripture. It's mentioned 60 times in the Old Testament, all right? 60 times to restore, to heal, to cure, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. All of that context brings healing. And this is, this is let me give you some examples of the healing that God is talking about in scripture when he allows them to use the, the term "rofa." all right? In 2 Kings 2 and 21, God heals the water when Elijah simply throws salt in the spring. He heals the water, all right? Yeah. He also allowed Elijah to repair the altar that was built in his name. And so the word ropha in its original meaning means, this is very important, to restore something to its original state, all right? to restore something to its original state. This is tricky because he'll bring our body back to a state of healing as it was. But y'all do know we were born fractured. All right. We were born sinful. And it's only through a spiritual process that we can become fully whole. But God will put our battery, because that's what we pray. Somebody breaks their arm, Lord, fix their arm. That's what we pray about. Somebody goes through a process that, that fractures something physically on them, we say, Lord, heal that. Well, what do you do when somebody has a mental fracture? You pray for that as well. But there's so much more complexity associated with that. How much more has to be fixed in order for that person to be okay? Because some of that mental fracture comes about because of relationships they might have. And so in order to just fix them, you also got to start fixing the relationships too. It's complex. And so when we talk about healing, remember we're talking about three different ways. emotional. The writer said Lord. David said this, David. Seem to master all three of them. If you go look at Psalm six, verses two through three, two and three, you'll find that David hit all of these healing methods in this one psalm. Okay. He said, Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am faint. That's emotional. And then he said, Oh Lord, heal me, for my bones are in agony. That's that's physical. And then he said, and my soul is in anguish. How long, O Lord? How long? That's spiritual. David understood the totality of the healing that could come uh, from the Lord. Physical healing is obvious. Emotional healing. Jehovah Ropha heals emotional hurts. And he heals, I love this, broken hearts too. Y'all know that. How do you heal a broken heart? Give it to the Lord and let him heal it but we usually try to fill a, a heal a, a broken heart by filling it with something that seems to feel good I like cotton candy love yeah seems to fill it up but it has no substance to it and when the realities of life hits that cotton candy love it does just what cotton candy does and dissipates and you find yourself still dealing with that same hole that you had the word broken means to bust or burst, to break into pieces, to to crush, to smash. That's what happens when you have a, a broken heart, and putting that back together is complex. But the Lord has a way to bring healing to the emotional pain that you have. One of the things that we have to learn to do to heal ourselves from an emotional standpoint is to learn how to live peaceably with people. We want to have emotional healing while holding a reserved place in our heart to be mad and hate somebody. That can't work real well. No, no, that doesn't do you well. Romans, Paul wrote, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone because peace provides a space for God to come in and do what he does. God's not going to come into a space of anger to do a holy work. That doesn't make sense. Physical healing, clearly, we know so many examples in scripture, but there's one great example that you ought to know about. When you find yourself in a tough situation and God sees sincere and honest faith, what he will do if he honors that is bless you beyond you could imagine. The Bible talks about in 2 Kings, Hezekiah, king, became gravely ill. But he prayed, the Bible said, earnestly, earnestly that the Lord will give him healing and the Lord blessed him and specifically told him, I'm going to give you 15 more years of life. Yeah. He, heard, he said specifically, in, he said, I've heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. And I will add 15 years to your life. So for people who believe that prayer doesn't change things in that context, I can go and take you to some folk who work in hospice right now. And they can tell you, we came in with all our equipment. We came in with all our pamphlets. We came in with all our medicine. And two weeks later, we packed up all our stuff and went home. And that person still over there across town living right now. Why? Because God is a healer if it fits his purpose, he can do whatever he wants. And guess what? All the medical personnel will stand back and say this. We don't know what's going on there. That's right, because God doesn't have to report to them in rounds that I'm going to take care of this one. All right? That's between him and you. So go to the doctor, but go to the master healer first. Make sure you talk to him. So when God put you in this place where you're being tested. And that's what scripture says he was doing here with the children. He's giving them all this wonder and he gets them to a place. And of course they love him coming out of Egypt. Who wouldn't love a God like that that's got me out of the hell I've been living in? Who wouldn't love a God that's gotten me out of slavery? Who wouldn't love a God that's brought me out on his own accord? Who wouldn't love that kind of God? But when I get you to a place of bitterness, Do you turn on me? And so the scripture says that God tested them. That's what they were doing there at the wall, the shore. Numbers 15 and 25 specifically say that at that place he was testing them. What do you do when God tests you? How do you pass the test? All right. First of all, you should not push back on every trial. Because trials have a way to put you back on track. Okay, trials got a way of getting you straight. Some things you forgot about, it's because of the circumstances that you find yourself in. You'll straighten up and start flying better, right? If you can, the right is the right word, you'll straighten up. Difficulties will lead you back to the Bible. Difficulties will make you start your prayer regimen again. Difficulties will make you stop looking at spending money on stuff you don't need and start putting your budget together again. Difficulties will make you straighten up. And so some tests are just a blessing in disguise. And in the end, you'll say, I'm glad God put me through that. The same test you will go curse, you'll bless God for. But if it had not been for that test, you would not be in the circumstances. Look, 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 the psalmist wrote this. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Some of us have learned more Bible at the end of a problem than we ever had in Sunday school. Oh, yeah. Let somebody break your heart. You'll find every scripture in the Bible on love. You'll be reading Song of Solomon and don't understand none of it, but loving it. Because it'll remind you that love exists in some capacity. Not only that, sometimes our pain, you don't want to hear me when I say this, but I got to tell you this morning, sometimes your pain is related to your personal sin. Mmm, mmm, Pen stop moving. Yeah, yeah, because first you need to understand what you're doing. Well, you know. (laughs) You know what you're doing. Even if you don't admit it to yourself, you know what you're doing. You know what's in your heart, even when folk don't know what's in your heart, even when it doesn't show. You know, and God will sometimes put you to the test so you can understand, maybe I need to assess where I am in life. Maybe I need to stop doing doing this. When when you're hurting physically and emotionally, uh, you need to do an inventory of what's going on in your life. Do you know this? You can sin so long in your life that it becomes normal so long that it becomes normal and you stop looking at it as the wrong it was the first time you did it, because it was wrong that time. And guess what? Each time you continue doing it, it's still wrong. But you become desensitized to it. And because you become desensitized to it, you stop analyzing your actions in that respect, and you also stop looking at the repercussions that come from the wrong you're doing. You're still tearing down relationships when you're doing things wrong. I can't say you don't care. You still might care. You just become increasingly unaware of the impact it's having on other folk, which makes it seem like you don't care. And that's just because you you write this down. I am selfish. I want what I want. Regardless of what it does to other people. And when you're selfish like that, you start seeing the world from a self-centered point of view. Personal sin can be the problem. When God puts you to the test, he wants you to look at yourself in the mirror and see that you have stepped away from the standard that was set. That's why it's hard for folks to come to church. Because a preacher doing what he's supposed to do, something in that message is going to tell you, you wrong, you living wrong, you fired. And If you're listening to it, the Holy Spirit that comes from me can touch the Holy Spirit in you, and it can do what we all want convict you, to do something different, all right? But now, 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 I said that, not all, not all illness is linked to personal sin. Don't let people tell you every time something go wrong with them, it's a, "And the Lord just tested me. No, 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 not every time. Not every single time, that's not the case. We got enough examples in Scripture Uh, uh, You remember the blind man? Jesus was asked the question, the the man who was born blind at birth. And then naturally begs the question, why is this man born blind? What did he do? He did nothing. What did his parents do? His parents didn't do anything wrong. It doesn't mean like Job's friend came in trying to tell him he did so much stuff wrong, which is why God had to be afflicting him. It's not the case. The answer that Jesus Christ gave is the answer that sometimes we have to be willing to accept. The reason why this child was born in this situation is so that God, so that God might be displayed in his life. That's the reason. So God used this child as an example, not because he did something wrong, but but so God's nature and healing power might be made manifest. That's the reason. Now, that's a hard reason. It's a reason that doesn't comport with what we think is is fair in life, but that's still the reason that it happens. And so every time something happens, why does this child have Down syndrome? Why does this child have uh, autism? Why does this child have vision problems? Not because mom and dad is horrible. I know we always want to attribute a cause in this society. The reason is because you wore band-aids on Thursday. I don't know We going to always come up with a reason that we tell folk. the reason is because you drink coffee two times a week i don't know and then people start reacting to that and now you got folk wearing t-shirts saying don't drink coffee on thursdays and wednesdays because your child will have this and i'm not trying to make light of it i'm just trying to tell you that there ain't a t-shirt for every problem that's not a cause for every problem that we know of sometimes, it's just because God allowed it to happen. And unfortunately, we got to be mature enough to accept that God allows these things to happen sometimes. And we have to we have to beg his mercy under those circumstances. I also need you to know this, that you need to, when you find yourself in a situation of, of, of hurt, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, or whether it's spiritual, you must... If you, if, you, if you don't do anything else, go to the doctor. I'm talking about the phys- the doctor here, the physicians here. Do not be afraid to go see professionals. And I always say it this way. Why do you think God allows people to get medical training? He wouldn't allow folks to stay in school 12 and 15 years getting all this training, and studying, things, if he didn't expect that that was going to be a benefit to us somehow. So go, don't let anybody talk to you if they come telling you you got some cancer or something like that. You go see the doctor. All right? You go see the doctor. You tell them to use their advice on their illness when they get it. All right? You use your own advice. I'm going to use this advice. I'm going to go see the folk who say they can do something about it. Can they help you? Maybe. Maybe not. But you never will get the help that they have if you never go to them. So make sure you go see the professionals because it's important. Second Chronicles 16 and 12 says though, this, uh, though his disease was severe, even in his illness he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from physicians. See this is someone who's gotten it backwards. In Scripture Asa was so smart that he outsmarted himself. All right? the doctors there had some remedies for his thing. But all he did was he said that he was going to go to them and never go to the Lord and the Lord had to show him that in the end all healing comes through. You ever seen anybody that go to the doctor every week and they always see? They, that means they got too much faith in the doctors. And perhaps the doctors don't have the remedy for what ails them. The Bible says that that woman had that issue of blood. And she had had it for 12 years. Watch this. And says she had spent all her money and was still no better. I hope you heard that, that part, and it always gets my attention. She spent all her money on any possible remedy and was still no better than when she spent her money. Guess what else you need when you are in a, in a health situation, when you have an injury? You need, and this is crucial, the community of faith. You need the community of faith. Some of us overlook the church when it comes to heal. You need to be in a community of faith. When you got something going on, ask people to pray for you. Tell people, call my name before the Lord. I want you to know, Bible says clearly that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, we can say person, availeth much. Yeah, Lord, the whole Forty Fifth Street Church is praying for me to get through this. That If, 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 if you don't know anything else, that provides an emotional uplift to know that that many people are supportive of you. Not only that, when you get in that context and you share, that you you don't have to tell them every detail. You don't have to tell us that. And we all, I'll tell you this right now publicly, when you share something with me, my question to you is, is this something I can share with the congregation? And the decision is up to you. If you say yes, then we will. We'll share it and ask people to pray for you. But if you say no, they'll never know what's going on. But under those circumstances, most of the time, you're the one who come up slack. Because it's an emotionally uplifting thing when you walk through that front door and everybody say, how you doing? You all right? They're not doing it because they know that they're doing it because they want to know how you doing. Is there anything I can do for you? Can I, can I support you in any way? That's encouraging. Now, it might not be in your house that you need that because you got a house full of folks taking care of you. But when you live by yourself, when you have a small to no family and nobody's checking on you on a regular basis. The fact that somebody else cares enough about you, that's why you have a community of faith. That's why you need people to love on you. The Bible gives us this admonition in Scripture. The first thing it says, it says when we're sick, first thing we need to do, Cast is call for the elders and ask them for prayer. The Bible tells us to do this. Call for the leaders of the church. And ask them to pray for us. And then we ought to confess our sins that might be putting us in this way. if that's the case. And third, we have a responsibility. If you are in the household of faith, when people ask you to pray for them, you have a responsibility to pray for them. It's not optional. It's part of our duty as believers to lift folks up in prayer. Whether you like them or not, whether you know them or not, your responsibility is to pray for them. The Bible is clear on this. And let me tell you how deep it is. Not only are we to pray for the people we love, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to be so righteous that we pray for our enemies. If you find out that the person you detest most in life is sick, you have a responsibility to lift them before the Lord. Lord don't care nothing about you not liking them. That's a sin you need to address. Remember, I said as much as possible in your life. Live peaceably among folks. Sound to me not that they don't like you. It sounds like you don't like them. Know this now: faith is a source of healing. Faith is a source of healing. This ain't just no earnest angel lay your hand on the TV and you'll be healed. I sing you a prayer called "Close." Can I tell you? Faith will heal you. The Bible is clear. That faith will heal you. Some folk have gotten through chemotherapy on a prayer. Some folk are still living on the faith that brought them through their circumstance. Some folk have pray, Lord, don't let, a, don't let a strand of hair fall out of my head. Faith! And because God wanted them to know that He was in charge of the circumstance not only did the hair not fall out, it got healthier. They didn't even have dandruff while it was going on because God wanted them to know, I got you. Faith is a healer. But you got to turn to God and let God take care of the circumstances. Y'all, some of y'all, some of us might have more faith than Blue Cross Blue Shield. Blue Cross Blue Shield ain't got nothing to do with the cross. It's got to do with the cost. Yeah, when they can make a decision on whether or not you need an intervention that the doctor tells you to do, that's a problem. That's why you need to put it in the master's hand. Yeah, Because the master will have that person sitting at that desk at Blue Cross who don't know you from nobody, who simply has approval authority on some procedure. They don't even know why. They about to go to lunch and they running late, but your situation came across the desk and before they go, they can either check yes or no before they go. They don't even know why they hit yes and went on about their business. They don't know you. But God does. God knows how to turn these situations in our faith. He knows how to do it. Faith is a force of healing. Jehovah Rothen hears our prayer, and he blesses us according to his omnipotent power. Mark chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, Jesus said he could not do any miracles in a city. Because the people lacked faith in that city. In other words, he didn't have a foundation for his holiness to be applied because they were such unbelievers. Now think about that. Maybe, just maybe, you're not getting what you need from the Lord because you're not strong enough in your faith and in believing what God has for you. Sometimes the healing takes place in unusual ways. We always look for traditional healing. Preacher was talking to a man who was terminally ill in the church and he had the opportunity to go and to pray with this man. Doctors had given him mere weeks to live. The man seemed to take in everything that the preacher said. It was unusual. His family was sitting back and they were watching, they were curious that the man was listening to the preacher because he hadn't been a church-going to kind of dude. But he listened to the Lord, I mean, listened to the preacher as he explained to him who the Lord was and how he worked in his life. And then he left with his family, and the preacher was, was convinced that he had been heard that day. A few days later, the wife calls the preacher tells him, she I just want to tell you, thank you. For what you did to my husband, the Lord called him home today. So, just in a matter of days, it didn't end. Preacher said, Oh, my Lord, we've been praying for healing for him. And his wife said, No, 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 don't feel bad. Please don't feel bad. He said, Because before he talked to you, my husband was so hard to be around. He was angry all the time. He was horribly mad at the circumstances that he found himself in. And because he was mad at the circumstances and didn't understand it, he was also mad at everybody around. So it was hard to talk to him. And so we convinced him to come to church that day and talk to you. And we give glory to God for him coming that day and for you talking to him. And even though he died, he was healed. Because the last few days we spent with my husband were the best days we ever had with him. said, so we prayed, we sang, we laughed. I saw the man I hadn't seen in so many years because the Holy Spirit had touched his life. And when he left here, he left here with the knowledge that he would see us again in glory. And so I need you to understand something that's very, very important. When you pray for healing, healing can come in different ways. And even though, even though he wasn't saved, he was healed. Even though he wasn't cured, he was healed. Even though the disease didn't go away, he was healed. And sometimes we just pray for longevity on this side when it's really Healing that we need. So keep praying for everybody. Last thing is this don't forget the importance of communion. The Bible says that that was given to us. If you were in the household of faith, communion is important. God gave it to us as a remembrance of His sacrificial death, He told us how we ought to do it. So you come here with all of your junk in your life and you never confess it before you go to the Lord's table. The Bible clearly says, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, for this reason, many in the congregation are ill and have fallen asleep. In other words, because you take the communion amiss. We don't think about this now. That's why we always try to give time for you to pause, get something straight in your heart before you go to that table, because it's something that Jesus gave. It's almost like looking at Jesus. And disavowing what he's done in life. You want to live foul, but celebrate his sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to communion and live the way the Lord asks you to do. The last thing you need to know is this, and I'm out of here, and I haven't done this in a minute. The cross of Christ is the greatest healing we had. The cross of Christ has healed us from the ultimate sickness that we had. The ultimate sickness that we had was spiritual. We can be as healthy as any being ever created, and yet that healthy being could not be back in right relationship with God the Father. And it was only through the healing that came with Jesus dying for us that we were able to make it back into relationship with him. So never forget the healing that comes from the cross. You must have that healing in your heart if you're going to have a right relationship with God the Father. If you're gonna live forever, you can only do that because Christ died for you. You have to accept that He died for you. You have to accept that it's His death that brought the atonement for your life. Because we were not righteous enough, could never be. It's only because our acceptance of Jesus Christ's sacrificial death that we have healing in us in our bodies and in our spirit. And guess what? When you go to heaven, don't let nobody think you're going to be floating around like a cherub or an angel or something like that. We're going to be there in body. Yeah, we'll be resurrected in body like Christ was resurrected in body. And I love the fact that healing won't have to be talked about in heaven. It ain't no more over there. No, no, no. Ain't no more broken ankles, ain't no more diabetes. Ain't no more, oh, none of the sickness that we have on this side. In fact, we won't even talk about anything like that because we'll leave, live in complete joy with the Lord when we get there with Him. But it all starts with you accepting the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. So, my question to you is Have you done Do you know Him in the free pardon of your sin? Free, which means it doesn't cost you anything. Pardon, which means he's already done what he has to do in order to get your sentence moved from you. Have you done? If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then today is the day. Now is the time. You've never been baptized as a public statement that you have accepted Him. We'll baptize you, we'll show the world that you're part of the household of faith. Or maybe you've been looking for a place to call your own, place to call home. The opportunity exists for you to come now. I suggest you try Street. We're not perfect, but we're striving to be friendly to church from the parking lot to the floor. Friendly, but we have problems. We need you right now. Come on, doors Rock church are Whosoever will let them come right. Come on. So-